Vahini Mekioni Mana, ladies and gentlemen. No flashbulbs, please. Our performers are temperamental and easily upset. Thank you for your cooperation. Oh, look at all the people. My goodness, you're all staring at us. We better start the show rolling. Wait, wait. We forgot to wake up the glee club. Hey, howdy, hey. And thank you for joining us here on the Channel Tiki Talk. We are your hosts. I'm Sean. I'm Alan. I'm Keith. So grab yourself a dull whip, pull up a chair, and enjoy the show. This is episode 25 for the week of April 13th, 2014. On this week's show, we are excited to not only talk to a voice talent, but a musician who takes us to the stars. Tonight, we welcome Mike Brazell into the Tiki Hut. Hey, Mike. Hey there. How you guys doing? Excellent. Good. Well, how are you? Very, very good. Thanks for the invite. I'm glad to be part of the show. Uh, we we do a, really do appreciate it. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun, exciting talking to you. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. Were you a, a Disney fan growing up? Uh, I was. Uh, I can't imagine anyone that, uh, that that wouldn't have been or can't be. I, I don't understand how someone could not be a Disney fan. Their movies are, are absolutely uh, fantastic, and they themselves as a company just know how to hit the proper demographic with the proper story at the proper time. They put so much into their, uh, their advertising machine. I, I don't understand how someone could walk away and not enjoy a, a Disney movie. So absolutely, yes, for me growing up, yes. Yeah, that's how we are as well. We're, um, yeah. you know, I mean, growing up, I mean, I, I grew I grew up in the generation when you know Disney movies came into the theaters every ten years. So, um, yeah, you know, it was it was only starting to come on home video, you know, in the eighties. So, it was a whole lot different. So you had a whole different experience. Like I saw Snow White when it was in the theaters in the eighties, and you know, it's just it, you just just seeing that it was just there was so much hype around it so Absolutely. you really got to enjoy it and really got to you know feed into the the Disney frenzy during that time yes that's exactly it and that's what's missing to me nowadays is that whole build up right. uh, to to that event it was a yep. true event and boy i loved that yep agreed absolutely uh, we know one of your uh, musical inspirations is john williams uh, what about his music what was it about his music that got you, you know, wanting to live a life of music the way you do? <laughs> well, yes. Look, John Towner Williams has been my influence ever since I can remember. I mean, this guy's absolutely tremendous, and I mean this. He's unbelievable. <laughs> I, I, and I say this as a, I'm a true fan, but why? Why did this guy get into my DNA musically? I'll tell you. I was, uh, what, 10, 11, something like that, walking around in Ohio on our, our little plot of land there. We were right next to I-75 and up, right next to an overpass, and I just go up there uh, to walk and to think. And again, I'm like 10, 11, 12, something like that. Mom tells me to watch out for cars. I do. I'm halfway not paying attention. I've got John Williams' Star Wars, what is it, uh, Empire Strikes Back on my yeah. Sony in my headphones and ooh-wee to hear uh, all the stuff that he has put into his his music. It's great effort, great mastery. And and I don't just say that as a fan. When you listen to, really listen to the different sections that he pays attention to, you'll find out that he's actually using all of the instruments of the orchestra, even some extra things uh, that, that are funny to me, that he'll use a noisemaker or a whistle. He'll use everything, though, well. 
well, and it's just true mastery. And the fact that he brought real orchestral uh, feeling and a score to a space movie, an action movie, was like the first of its kind. It had never been like that before, so he really kind of was the advent of the progenitor, if you will, of uh, bringing an orchestral score back to uh, modern movies, and that's why a lot of these composers are out there now uh, making a success of themselves doing the same kind of thing. So i got to give props to John Williams. I don't want to sound like a fanboy, but ooh-wee, <laughs> let me tell you, this, this guy is it. You remember all of his themes. My son knows his theme. I mean, he can sing the Indiana Jones theme. This is that's so awesome. long ago. How, how is it so good that everyone knows it without even watching the movie sometimes? It's just that this guy knows what he's doing. That's it. I mean, I'm also in Ohio, and, and just um, growing up with, uh, like, Star Wars, and that first opening scene, like, when, you know, that whole orchestra just, just like, comes and smacks you, like, right the face, and, you know, the boost pimples, like, start to form, like, on arms and neck and stuff. I mean, it's timeless. It, Any time that that song comes on, it just, it takes you to other places. It's amazing. You're absolutely right. You said timeless. That's a great word. That's exactly what he has done, made his classics uh, timeless. Uh, it just lasts throughout the generations, and it just makes all kinds of sense. Every time you hear it, you go, ooh wee, I'm about to watch something <laughs> huge, and yeah. I love that. Is your, is, do you have a favorite soundtrack of his? <laughs> great question. You stumped me here. <laughs> I've got, I, I love all of his. Uh, what have I, you know, I, I want to answer your question properly. Do I have a favorite uh, yes, it's, it's probably got to be Star Wars. Which right. one? I couldn't tell you right now because I, I kind of swing back and forth. Jurassic Park, I love. His themes right. there are tremendous. I mean, it's a, a mood thing. Sometimes I'm driving into work and I want to hear this, you know, kind of flying theme or I want to hear this, uh, the theme from Jaws or E.T. Everything I hear is absolutely amazing. So I, it's hard to say that there's one, but if there's one, it has to be the first one that kind of infected me, if you will, which is Star Wars. And then, of course, Indiana Jones and Superman uh, and all that stuff. Um, I, I love it all. Yeah, there's so many great ones, you know, like you just said. But there's so many other smaller ones that a lot of people don't realize, like he's written, like like Empire of the Sun. There's some great music in that in that film. Absolutely. Um, I know he's done... Go ahead. He did Home Alone. Yes. <laughs> and, and every four years, the Olympic fanfare. That's John Williams, too. So that's right. a great song. You better believe it. I mean, this guy is, he's so prolific. You're, you're right about the Olympic fanfare. And then the NBC theme, The Mission. Come on. When you right. hear it, you know the news is on. I mean, the real <laughs> news is on. That's what I'm talking about. And everybody else, <laughs> they, they try to sound like that because it's so right. We. Right. It's, 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 what's that terminology? It's, it's so something's duplicated, but never, uh, imitated or, so, yeah, something always I can't imitated, remember. Never, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Always imitated, never duplicated. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so how did you um, get your start with Disney? Thank you for that. Great question. Okay. How I got my start with Disney, uh, actually happened in, uh, Lama's class. Uh, that's kind of a funky start to the story, but, <laughs> but, but here's how it goes down. Uh, we were in Pasadena uh, around uh, those areas and uh, in the early 90s, actually mid-90s, I should say. And the job that I was working at as a spotlighter at the uh, auditorium, I was at the Ambassador Auditorium there in Pasadena, was coming to an end. And we were pregnant. My wife was. I wasn't. Um, that would have been an amazing uh, scientific miracle there. But uh, it didn't happen to me. Uh, we were in Lamaze class there at Huntington Hospital in Pasadena. 
uh, we were going through Lamaz class, and I think we were, uh, my wife was pregnant with our second son, and we were just going through the class with a bunch of different people, and I didn't realize there was a lot of industry people, Hollywood film industry people I'm referring to there in that area. I just, I just didn't have that in my head, I guess, and we ended up meeting everyone in the class as you do. Oh, hey, how you doing? You're rubbing your wife's back. That's great. With a tennis ball, why would do that? Just do it because it makes them happy. You know, all these things. <laughs> that you're, you're into the class for. And we ended up meeting a, a couple that we uh, got along with really well. Turned out they lived in the same area we did. And we ended up becoming great friends. And they had kids as well. Uh, and turned out he was an editor of an animated feature called Cats Don't Dance. And that's when uh, Turner Feature Animation uh, was around. And I told him about my plight. Uh, long story short, I got a job there as a PA and ended up meeting a lot of people uh, and establishing some really good and long-lasting relationships with some of the producers there, David Steinberg being one. Uh, he's a great friend. He and I were actually collaborators on music uh, just as friends outside of work, and he ended up going to Disney, and that's how I got there as a PA on Fantasia. That's where I started. Oh, wow. Cool. Nice. Yes, and not to gloss over Cats Don't Dance. That was absolutely fantastic. <laughs> it wasn't the success everybody wanted, but it was, uh, it was my foray into the world of animation. I had known nothing about it except what you had hearkened back to before in our earlier conversation, just kind of being a, uh, a, someone who, uh, who enjoyed the movies on the outside back in Ohio. Yeah, you've come a long way since Ohio then. Now, that's what I'm talking about right there. <laughs> I mean, yes, you're right. I have. Uh, I, I appreciate where I, I have come from. I truly do. Uh, and it helps me keep a straight path going forward. That's great. Our birthplace of legends is Ohio. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Mike Purcell and who else? I'm not sure. <laughs> well, let's see. There's Phyllis Diller. Who I, I recently read out a list the of Wright brothers. I mean, yeah, Wright you know. brothers. Uh, well, yeah, but they started flying here in my home state of North Carolina, so we take that. We take them. Uh, that's good. It's a regional battle here tonight. Uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, typically, when like you're you're recording narrations for Living with the Land and the CTA, what is that process like? Is it just you just sit in the studio and just record, and that's it, or? Okay, great question. Uh, yes, they will email me, WDI will email me the script beforehand and give me a couple notes before I actually get into the session. And once I'm there, then they just, it, it's real easy. Just get in there, shake hands, get some water, and then they put you in the booth and get you set up and ready, levels uh, and all that stuff. I'm not sure if you wanted the, uh, the gory details there, but then you just start and they just kind of direct you. Um, sometimes line by line, if they need something said a specific way, then you'll, we'll go over that, get it right, and then try to make sure we have a nice continuous flow from start to uh, start to finish. And you just keep working on it until you're done, and they're happy. Do you don't have any input at all, typically? Uh, they would. Uh, they're looking to you, as a matter of fact, as an expert, um, you know, to try to make the words pop off the page or come to life. They really, they're hiring you for for your ability to do that, they're going to give you direction from what they think they want to hear, and then it's yours to take over once you start speaking. Gotcha. Oh, interesting. Cool. So the first time you ride that attraction after you've recorded, is it surreal? What, what, how does it feel? What do, you, what do you think when you hear yourself for the first time on, a, on an attraction like that? You know, I never know. I, I, I should say this. I never knew how I'd feel with something like this. And it just hit me hard. I mean, I was there with my kids. We got on it. And we started to hear it. I was like, what in the world? Uh, somebody was videotaping. I think one of my friends came along. Uh, videotaping. Do we say that anymore? I mean, it's digital recording. Either way, 
Uh, I was just it. I'm I was astounded, and yes, it was surreal. I mean, yeah. You listen to it and you you kind of feel like, well, that's just kind of me talking. Um, <laughs> but then you see the reaction of, of everybody else around and you go, wow, this is pretty cool. And then you go away from it and you go, wow, this is really cool. Uh, and then someone texts you, you know, three months later and go, Mike, I just heard your voice in the TTA. And you go, man, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way I feel about it. I mean, I love it. I think it's absolutely fabulous and i'm glad to be able to leave some kind of legacy like that for my kids uh, as long as they leave it up there if they do you know it's up to them completely yeah that's got to be an amazing feeling because that's something i would love to be able to do just like just have my voice in, in a film or, or in a park somewhere just so you know my kids can say oh my god that's my dad you know that's just it's got to be an crazy incredible feeling just to have that it is it, i honestly it, i gotta tell you it is and they tell me that sometimes my kids do they go you know dad we go to school and sometimes we tell our, our our friends that our dad is the voice of tta or uh or the land and they go what no way that, that that's not true <laughs> and then they end up saying just say something say something from the ride and i say it and of course they don't believe me right <laughs> exactly. that's space <laughs> right uh, i think that's hilarious you um also work with lilo and stitch that's actually it's one of like my uh, favorite movies but i feel it's underrated what's your opinion on uh that film as far as uh it stacks up with other films well i'm glad that you said that um you're right the perception of lilo and stitch is has kind of a hard line. There, there are people, there are haters on that film, but then there, there are those who love it. I got to say this, working on that film, I personally loved it. When we were shown, we were, all of us were on the, on the project, were brought into the theater there at, uh, at what once was uh, Disney MGM Studios. We were all brought into the theater, and then Chris Sanders and Dean DeBlois got up on the stage with microphones along with the producer, and they were talking about this film. Uh, and how different this film was. And we didn't really get it until they showed us uh, just a little bit of the storyboards and the uh, the music and the voiceover that they had prepared just uh, to demo this to the group to see what they were going to uh, what they were going to start working on. And I'll tell you, once we saw that, we we're like, whoa, this is a this is awesome. B, this is something different. Um, and we didn't realize how different it really was for the, the whole Disney cadre, the films. It, it really did kind of come out of left field. It was a, a great um, invention from the mind of Chris Sanders and Dean DeBlon. I think they came up with something fabulous. I mean, it challenged the background painters because they had to paint in watercolor. Not everybody was completely well-versed. So please don't hear me diminish their talent at all. What I'm saying is it was a nice challenge for them to get in there and really produce some quality background watercolor work. And they did. They did it fabulously. Music was so different. We had not used Elvis like this before, or even in our films. So it was that kind of soundtrack. It was amazing. And, and the way that they treated Stitch uh, in the promos, and that they had him kind of take over everybody else's uh, movie for a little <laughs> yeah. clip. I, I just think that whole approach was completely different. And I loved it. it. I was proud to work on that film, as a matter of fact. I loved it. It is a good film, it, yeah. you know. It really is. It was just I, the problem with with Stitches is that uh, it, it overtook the, the Magic Kingdom several years ago, and it was just played out too much. But it, overall, it really is a good film. Ah, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. It is a good film, but yes, they did do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here's a here's a hard question for you. Yes. It could be hard. I don't know. Okay. Um, if you could narrate any Disney attraction, what would it be? Okay, <laughs> I gotta say. Uh, I tried for the monorail 
bus and the and the transportation system. I actually auditioned for that. Oh, really? Yes, I did. Uh, this was a while back. I did not obviously get the job, right. <laughs> but I would love to do that. And if I have a secondary one, it would be Spaceship Earth. Uh, but that's uh, Dame Judy Dench, and I ain't taking any work from her anytime soon. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, you could be the next uh, Walter Cronkite. Yes. Yeah, you never know. You know, that's, it's amazing to be uh, a part of that whole group. When I hear these names, someone told me that. And I go, I, I can't believe a, a dude from Ohio is, is, is uh, in that group of people who are speaking at a specific place that everyone loves. I got to tell you guys, it's humbling. I love it. Oh, I, yeah, I, I, I definitely understand that. I can see, I can see that. I mean, that's just, it's just an amazing, I mean, you're in a small, a small group of people that have, you know, that are, their voice is heard by millions every year that, you know, that they're not going to the movie to see, they're paying to go into an amusement park to see it. So that's, you know, that's pretty incredible. It is. It's it's mind-boggling. Uh, it really is. Uh, but I'm proud of it, uh, and I'm honored. So, do you remember any of your lines from um, when you were trying for the uh, transportation at all? Do you remember any lines that you could recite for us? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, it's the line that everybody knows. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so let's see if I can. If I <clears throat> let me let me uh, let's see if I can get this. <laughs> Please stand clear of the door. Por favor, manténgase alejado de las puertas. <laughs> I don't even. I can't even say it. Yeah. I start. Uh, you know, my my tongue starts. My tongue starts falling over itself when I try saying that. Yeah, yeah. That's a difficult. Uh, that is a difficult line. I had to practice it quite a while just to get that I'm down. Sure. Uh, that's but great. That's fun. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Tell us a little bit about uh, Dream on, silly dreamer. Uh, were you worried that this might? hurt your relationship with Disney? I mean, they, they, they have a tendency to be very protective of, uh, of their, their brand and, and not putting out anything that could be seen in a negative light. And not that Dream on Silly Dreamer is negative, but it does focus on a, a time when, you know, things for animators went, went south. Were you worried about that? You're right about that. Um, was I worried is the question. Uh, no, I wasn't. And <laughs> And I'll tell you why. Uh, it's because when I received my payment for uh, the composing of this um, movie, it had uh, Roy Disney's name on the check. So I, I, felt, <laughs> oh, like, there you go, I, I felt like we were, <laughs> we were well, I, I, I say it that way. I didn't actually get paid from Roy himself. How, however, Roy did fund that movie because he understood the, um, the power that feature animation had and should have continued to have, and it never should have gone the way it did. As you said, it went south. Uh, I was part of that, as a matter of fact. I think I had, uh, had come in on the tail end of all of those, of uh, that glorious Disney days. Um, I got a chance to just, just at a finite amount, touch Mulan right before it went out. Uh, a little bit of Hercules as well, uh, right before it went out. And I, to me, those are the, the, the days of, of just wonder. Um, yeah. And uh, and good Disney projects and that whole event kind of thing. I mean, they they went wild with uh, their rap parties. I loved it. I say that on an, as an outsider, <laughs> they did. And we went to uh, their rap parties, and it was absolutely fantastic. But back to Dream on Silly Dreamer for you. Uh, yeah, Roy did fund it. He he, of course, obviously understood uh, the importance of this particular story uh, to get this out. Understand how you know where Disney came from. Uh, and then where they were going and how they were being affected by other players in the animation industry. 
um, you know, it's a, it's a, it is a bittersweet story. I'm glad to be a part of it. And of course, co-composed with uh, Kuno Schmidt. This is the German composer. I was telling you guys about a little earlier that I originally got Skype for uh, so I could work with him uh, as he was uh, in Germany and I was in Florida. You said that you were a big uh, like Star Wars fan. Are you excited that Disney um, is now in charge of Star Wars and um, opportunities for futures voice actors and composers? Yes, absolutely. I got to tell you, this this business with uh, Disney and Star Wars is absolutely amazing. It it is to me. First of all, I don't even understand why Lucas said I'm done. I don't get it. He <laughs> yeah. Star Wars? Are you kidding me? You know, how do you give up Star Wars? I just don't. For don't four billion that. dollars, that's how you give up Star Wars. You're, you're right. And this dude also has the licensing already, so he probably has a lot more than that. I mean, it's all yeah. good for him. I'm happy for him, and it's good business. However, I'm I, I not. However, I should say this. I'm very pleased. Very pleased that Disney has it is now the uh, is now they are the what, what am I looking for? There's a particular term here. I'm, I'm missing it, but I'm glad that they actually have custody. That's what I'm looking for right. of Star Wars. I think they're going to do it right. Now, there's a whole lot of opinion on that, uh, right. but I I do think they're going to take care of it. Why? Because they're vested already. They already have some of the licenses in their parks, and I love it. I think they do it well. And now now they've got the machinery, of course, to to market this and make it the thing that it's supposed to continue to be. And I think everyone is happy about that. I think so. So I think it's absolutely awesome that they have Star Wars. And I think the opportunities for composers, I think, are going to be uh, a little less until, you know, Williams uh, goes away, departs from this life, and I hope that's not soon. Uh, so I know Williams will be doing that for a while. Voice talent, yes. You know Disney. They're the king of spinoffs. They're going to do all kinds of stuff with the voice talent. Yes. And then, of course, all the composing for all those shows. It's going to be great. Uh, and I would like to kind of throw my hat in the ring, Disney, if you're listening. Wink, wink. Huh? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> I think it's a great thing that they're actually they have they have um, that they own Star Wars now because they've done a great job with Marvel. So I, I mean, a lot of people were worried like that Disney was going to ruin Marvel, and, that, and then they're worried that they're going to ruin Star Wars. But they've done an incredible job with Marvel so far, and I think it's in great hands right now. And we're going to see a lot of great things, and they're and they're not going to allow you know. A million spin-offs from Star Wars. They're going to have one. They're going to have one Star Wars universe, and everything's going to have to live within that universe. So you're not going to have four different universes going on. Anything that happens is all related. So that's a great thing. So it's all under control now. You don't have to worry about you know something happening in, in this universe isn't going to happen in that universe. Everything's all. It's all going to work together now. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, you know, I agree with you. I think it's good to have that kind of cohesive, uh, unified thought with uh, Star Wars especially. It, it's so beloved by a whole bunch of people. So let's keep it that way, I think. And Disney will do a great job. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned Marvel as well. I, again, D Disney, they're, they're shrewd. They understand business. They love money as well. <laughs> <laughs> they did the right. They did the right move here with Marvel as well. I can't believe it. It's it's amazing. And that Universal has licensed Marvel products, and now they have to be uh, be beholden to Disney. Yeah. For, for that property is just absolutely awesome. Uh, uh, for Disney, not for Universal. They're upset. Right. Exactly. <laughs> But but it's great for Disney, and they they get custody of that too. So I think that it says a lot for for their uh, their top tier people. They can they can manage this stuff, and they do it well. I, I'm a huge Star Wars fan as well. So if you could voice any Star Wars character, what would it be? Uh, let's see. I think it would have to be Darth Vader. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> what, what's one of his lines here? Let's see. Uh, <laughs> I'll get it here. Uh, it was about the, uh, the the power of the dark side. Now that I'm, I'm stumbling, I, I, I oh, can't yeah. even do it right. <laughs> I, I couldn't do it, but I'd love to do that. Or he'll, he'll, he'll you know, he'll say, um, um, "Join me." And together we'll rule the galaxy as father and son. I mean, that's a classic line as well. Oh, yeah. You don't know the power of the dark side. I mean, come <laughs> on. That's great. That's the dark lord. You know what I'm saying? He's awesome. And after that, you can do this is CNN, right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'd love that, too. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I'd love that. Yeah. Heck, yeah. He's awesome. His voice is amazing. He, he's He's fantastic. Yeah, James Earl is pretty impressive. He is. And he does those great sprint commercials with um, uh, what Ian, what is his name? Ian Malcolm is that his name? Yeah, yeah, I think that's his name. I yeah. love those sprint commercials. Anyway, yes, but I yeah. loved him on Big Bang Theory. I don't know if you have you seen he that. Was hilarious yeah. or something. Oh my god, that was so funny. I didn't see it. Oh, it's it, you just have, even if you're not a Big Bang fan, you just have to go watch that episode. Carrie Fisher's in it as well, and it's so funny. It's it's so well done. It's you know, it's so not think it, it just what happens in it is like you wouldn't think of that would ha- would have would happen at all. Oh, that's fantastic! Know? I gotta check it's, that out. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> so, so Mike, tell us how it was to work with uh, one of my favorite composers, Alan Minkin, uh, um, on Beauty and the Beast. Well, Alan, first of all, is awesome, and I didn't really actually touch the music on that particular show. I was part of the production here on the animation side, so I didn't really do too much with him on that, but was just awed by his his ability to just kind of capture exactly what Disney wants, and he does it over and over again. So I've got nothing but the utmost respect for him, his team, and what they do there. Which Disney Park attraction um, do you feel like melds the song and story the best? That's a great question. That is a great question. There's a lot of good attractions out there. Uh, let's see here. Maybe the Little Mermaid, uh, Little Mermaid attraction. Uh, I think that does very well. But I'll tell you this, though. What, what was that in uh, was it Magic Kingdom? It was the, had to do with Fantasia. That was a good one, too. Oh, um, oh the old dog. Fellar uh, Magic, was that it? Yes, yeah, I think yeah. that was a good one. That's, That's an awesome show, too, yeah. We know that you're a, a big John Williams fan and a Star Wars fan, so, and you did help, and you did do um, a score for the new Space Mountain Exit track, so where did your influence come from that? Did it come from John Williams, and did Disney have a lot of uh, input into the creation of the uh, the score? Uh, yes, uh, great question again. Yeah, that was a, an amazing project. Uh, to answer your question, they did. They gave me lots of good um, uh, feedback and uh, initial uh, direction. And I just went according to that. And of course, they let you go as a creative. They trust you to do uh, the job you're supposed to do. And they bought off on it. And uh, I tried not to sound too much like uh, anybody else except for uh, making it a little spacey and hearkening it back to uh, some of the stuff that they had uh, allowed me to listen to uh, previously, with this, which is one of the orchestrated sections in, in my piece I call Mount Bop. Um, I, I think <laughs> they call it stereo or stereophonic, I think. It, it's in stereophonic sound, at least. I, I think that's the way they, they've marketed, but, uh, marketed it. But yes, that was a... That was an amazing, amazing project, I should say, as well. Uh, and I got to tell you how this happens, if you don't mind me sharing this with you guys. Sure, uh, no, go ahead. 
we were, let's see, I think it was the TTA that was being installed. You know, they put the audio in there and we're riding around making sure things trigger the audio properly. And that was fun. And we have to do this at night once the park is closed. So I, I don't pull up there until, you know, midnight, maybe one. Um, and I get in the park and we go around my WDI contact and I, and we, uh, we go with the team and figure out what needs to happen, if the mix needs to be louder or softer, and all that kind of stuff. So I bring my mix from home and give it to them, and they do what they need to do with it. Uh, this was, uh, was very, very funny to me, the way it happens, because you think this would happen with much fanfare, and they would even make the Disney. They'd make a show about it and have the top ten people, you know, battle it out to find out who's going to – they could have done that, right? You know what I'm saying? But anyway, right. It was purely this, and I mean this. I'm walking with my WDI contact. It's like 2 in the morning. We're coming from under the TT, uh, TTA, just walking towards uh, Space Mountain there. And he goes, hey, you, uh, do you write, write music? <laughs> no way. <laughs> and I go, I go yeah, because <laughs> you never say no, even if you don't right. write music. You know what I'm saying? Right. This is WDI. Come on. So, of course, I'm going to say yes, and I did. And he goes, well, Mike, we might have a project for you. So I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. Um, that, that was very cool. And so I, was, I went home, and I got a contract uh, maybe two weeks, maybe a month later on. Um, and I, 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 saw, I saw it on my screen there, and it said from WDI. I can't remember exactly. I have it here. I should pull it up. But WDI, uh, you know, contracts Mike Russell to write the music for, and it said Space Mountain. Oh, and I just flew <laughs> off the handle in my wow. studio. I ran out, told my wife again, hey, guys, I'm going Space Mountain. I can't believe it. <laughs> They're like, what? No, this is awesome. I was like, yeah. So, wow, when I was asked, I, I didn't know that that's what it was. So when I heard it was that, I was like, what? Are you kidding me? I can't believe it. So so they gave me the direction, and I did it, and uh, we went and installed it, and, uh, and it worked out well. I, funny story. Maybe it's not so funny to the, the guy that happened uh, that this happened to, but uh, and maybe it's not a funny story, because if he hears me say this, <laughs> I mean, he's going to be upset. So here's what happened. So we're riding in the coaster. Everything's installed, right? Um, I'm running around inside with the guys there. Uh, we come back. They have the VIPs from from Burbank come out and check it out because this is the upgrade that they have been wanting. They closed it down for a while, and people were upset when they brought it back up because it didn't look like much had changed. I don't know if you guys had known that, but uh, they were like, no, no, we need to have something significant happen. So they said, okay, music inside the attraction. So that's what happened. My music's done. We're sitting there in the queue line just waiting for this. And again, this is like 2 or 3 in the morning, uh, waiting for you know the executives to come in. They come in, and they're, we're all shaking hands, introducing, and they go, okay, we're going to ride this twice once with no music inside the mountain and then we're going to write it with the music in and see what sort of a difference it is and see if you guys like it we spent a lot of good time is what they said and uh, here we go so, so we're getting in the uh we're getting in the trains and everybody gets in uh, you know they load up the first three and then they get the uh, in the next three rockets uh, next two rockets and they leave the last one for me and so everybody's in and i walk over there <laughs> and i put my knee up to get in i'm a tall guy i'm six two <laughs> And I, I, I put my leg up to put my knee in, and I, I just slammed the guy's head in front of oh, me. Oh, oh no! Oh, I felt so bad. I said, "Oh, I'm so sorry." Oh, I, I, I could have halfway knocked this guy out. Oh gosh! <laughs> I felt like an idiot. I, I just didn't get hit right. I, it was just I don't know what happened, but, uh, but that, uh, that cracked me up later on. I'm like, I just need this guy in the head. I, I can't believe this. So we go through, and it's quiet. And then, of course, we go through again. They turn the music on. Like, yay. They bought off on it. So 
so that's cool. And I guess they've turned it down now, and there's been lots and lots of uh, uh, complaints, and then, and, but but also kudos and all that stuff too. So it is what it is for me. I'm glad it's there, and I'm proud to be part of uh, of that uh, too. Because there's only I don't know how many four, four maybe three three space mobs. I can't remember how many there are, but I'm glad to be part of it. That's great. And and the guy's okay today, as far as you know? <laughs> you know, as far as I know, his his, his head uh, is, is not swollen anymore. And there's a thought in the back, you know what I'm saying? I felt bad, though. Oh, I was like, this is not the time to knee a VIP in the back of the head. Right. Is there a time to knee a VIP in the back of the head? I don't know. But that's uh, not it right there. Well, not for you, it wasn't time. Bob Iger. Yes, exactly. Ooh, <laughs> So, I, with all our guests that we have come on the show, we have um, we ask some we ask everybody the same five questions, and it's all it's all Disney or park related, um, so you can get a good sense of the person. Okay. Um, your favorite snack in the parks? Well, honestly, it has to be the Dole Whip. I think over in the Adventureland, right over hey. by the parks, uh, <laughs> or not the parks, but the uh, the carpet rides. Right? Is that right. where it is? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Oh man, my wife loves that. Oh, they are so good. Yes, they are absolutely fabulous. But I got to tell you, there's uh, there's another snack that I love so much, and it's a dessert, and it's over at uh, Beauty and the Beast. It was the the cabinet. What's it called? The Beauty and the Beast. Uh, the, the not the cabinet. What is it? The uh, cupboard. Oh, okay. Uh, this is Pot's cupboard. Right. And that might not even be there anymore, but ooh wee, they've got this brownie ice cream thing. This <laughs> what? It's amazing. <laughs> it's fantastic. I love that too. The best kind of dessert is cold, yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, cold, creamy. Oh, that's you know, that's it's just perfect. Perfect yeah. on a hot day. Oh heck yeah! Do you have a favorite attraction? I do. <laughs> I'm a little biased, but I love uh, Space Mountain. But I got to tell you, I'm a coaster guy, so I love rock and roller coaster, and I also love uh, Expedition Everest as well. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I love coasters. So, if you could replace this is this is the next question I have is is isn't something we typically ask, but if you were, can replace the Aerosmith music with any other musician, who would it be? Oh man, that's a great question. Wow, who would I replace Aerosmith with if I could? Oh man, oh man, that's hard. That that is a difficult one. Who who would serve that well? It has to be driving right. It has to be the the right pick. Yep. And, and so now my music editor is coming out at me, and uh, <laughs> I, I gotta I gotta plug somebody in here. It's gotta make sense. Who? Boy, I don't have an answer for you. That's all right. <laughs> that's hard. That's a hard one. Tough that's one on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's difficult. I I don't know who would do it. Yeah, how many uh, recording actually, artists are there in the world, and you have to pick just one? So I right. can understand not knowing right <laughs> off hand. I mean, probably the best next best thing to be would be would, would have multiple artists, not just one, right? Yeah. That's probably that's that's the way I would probably go. Yeah, that would make sense because you're entering a concert, right? You're going right. to a concert, uh, so yeah, it could be multiple people. Yeah, that's, we'll have to push for that. So, uh, your fa- your favorite uh, Disney character? It's got to be Goofy. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. He's just, he's lovable, man, and, and he doesn't, he, he makes mistakes, but he doesn't mean to, you know, it's all well-intentioned, you know what I'm saying? Yep, exactly. He's fantastic. Your favorite Disney movie? Um, that's a, that's a good question. There, there's a lot of good ones out there, I, but I think Lion King is the one that kind of really, really says it all for me. It, it's good. Story of Redemption, I like that. 
That's true. Yeah. It's, have you seen it on Broadway or the um, the stage at all? No, I've been told to. It's been recommended to me many times, and I've never gotten a chance to make it to New York for that. And do you have a favorite Disney park memory? Is it the the time you need the uh, the VIP in the head? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, maybe that ranks up there. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> you know what? I I got to tell you uh, one of my favorite memories uh, of the park, and it's uh, it was a uh, it, it has to do with just decisions for me in my life, and I'll try not to make this long and drawn out. But as we were um, w- as we were given the opportunity to rise up in the ranks there at Feature Animation, and I was in Burbank at the time, and I was told we were going down to Florida to work on a new film that, that uh, happened to be Lilo and Stitch and then Brother Bear right after, um, I, I, you know, you understand that I'm a musician, I'm a composer. So moving away from L.A. was a, uh, was a difficult decision because, you know, that's one of the, uh, the three cities that, uh, that, that music, and a lot of people would argue that as well, that music is prevalent in New York, L.A., Nashville, that kind of thing. So moving to Orlando was a big deal for me um, to do that for my family, and, and they appreciated it as well, of course, uh, making a long story short. Uh, as I got into working at Feature Animation there, working on Lilo and Stitch, and enjoying the fact that I, I enjoyed working on that and working with Disney Animation, uh, I used to meet my family in the park. So I would actually uh, end my day at 6 o'clock, and my wife and I would call on cell phones and sort of arrange a time that we'd meet in the park. So I'd actually go out of the building, just go down the parking lot, uh, area sidewalk, and I would walk in one of the uh, back doors into uh, Disney's MGM studio at the time, now Hollywood Studio. And, I, and it would be just so nice to be able to see my, my kids go, Dad! And then they kind of, they saw me on the tour. My office was actually on the animation tour. Uh, if you've ever been on, on that animation tour there at uh, Disney MGM Studios, it, it was there. It was kind of tucked, tucked away, but I used to come out there uh, and uh, visit my kids. And, and they were excited about that, and that made me excited. And then we'd go get a turkey leg, which, by the way, I love as well. Yeah. And, then, and then we'd go see, uh, what's the boat? Uh, it's fan- not fantastic. Oh, yeah, I love yeah. that. And we just capped the night off with that. And that was, that's one of my favorite memories, just going out in the park after work, meeting my family, seeing my kids, being so excited, being there, seeing their dad come out, uh, and then go um, enjoy some good food and a good show right after work. It was fantastic. That's just the perfect moment, isn't it? Absolutely. One I'll never forget. We really do appreciate you coming on the show. We had a great time. We learned a lot. And uh, you're such a, a classy guy, very humble, and you, you appreciate you know, where you've come from, where you're going, and, and everybody who you talk to. So we really appreciate that. It, it's such a great thing. It's, we loved speaking to you. Thank you so much. I do appreciate that, honestly. It was fun to be on the show. Uh, I'll do it again anytime. Thank you very Thanks. much. Oh, yeah, we'd definitely love to have you come back on. Thank Before you. you go, Mike, why don't you let our listeners know where they can find you, you know, on social media and the Internet and things like that. Absolutely. I'm on Twitter. You can catch me at uh, Mike Purcell. Uh, and of course, Facebook, uh, you can catch me there. Also, I Need More Music. And that's I Need More Music.com. That's my music library I'm building up uh, uh, there. You can go there. And of course, Mike Purcell.com. That's going to do it for this week. Be sure to let us know what you thought of this week's show. You can comment in the show notes over at EnchantedTikiTalk.com. You can email us at podcast at EnchantedTikiTalk.com. And you can also leave us a message on the new Tiki Talk hotline, which is 256-4MY-TIKI. That's 256-469-8454. Be sure to like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash EnchantedTikiTalk. And follow us on Twitter at TikiTalkPodcast. Lastly, if you enjoy the show, please take the time to rate us on iTunes. And you can find me on Twitter at One Minute Disney Dream. That's one M I N. 
Disney Dream, and MouseWorldVacations.com. And you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Dole Whip Daily and online at DoleWhipDaily.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm at Norman Bates. That's N-O-R-M-N-B, the number eight and the letter S. Thanks for listening this week. For Sean and Keith and our special guest, Mike Brissell, I'm Alan, and this has been Enchanted Tiki Talk. Aloha.